so happy that you're here. And I, I am just happy to be in the house of God. I love being in the house of God, don't you? Uh, I want to talk to you today. We're, we're still going through Mark chapter 4, and we're talking about the heart condition of the church. The heart condition. Last week we talked about the, the parable of Jesus when he said that the sower went out to sow and, he, and it went by the wayside and then stony ground and then, and then with the weeds and the tares and then on the good soil. And we talked about the wayside last week. I mentioned that was the ground that had been gone over so many times that you'd walked over it so many times it was just hard for anything to grow. We had said that, that the way to overcome that is through intellectual honesty and through a passionate sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. I read something this week along those lines. It said the hardest uh, person to teach anything is the one that already thinks they know it. It's important to have an intellectual honesty, an intellectual curiosity that, that goes before us because the, the desire is to have a heart that is passionate for Jesus Christ. We want a heart because we can have all the head knowledge, but until it drops that 18 inches and gets into our heart, that's when the passion of Christ arises in us. That's when, that's when the gospel becomes alive. That's why the Bible says you overcome by the blood of the Lamb and not your theological uh, treaties, but by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. You know what your testimony is? This is what the Lord's done. This is what the Lord's done for me. Nobody can refute what God has done for you. I, I believe it, that we haven't, we've yet to see what God can do and will do with a body of believers that has a passionate heart to follow him. And today I, I want to go into that, that second that second uh, ground, that, that ground, that, that rocky soil. And I want to talk to you about the importance of joy. The importance of joy. We were going to sing, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Yeah, in my heart. That's right. Uh, you can't sing that song without being happy. You sing that song and all of a sudden everything you've been going through kind of fades by the wayside and you just start thinking, yeah, I'm pretty happy. But joy in the Christian life is essential. It's one of the most important aspects of the Christian life, joy. Having joy. Now, now joy is more than an emotion. It's more than a euphoria. It's like, woohoo, I'm happy. I'm so glad that I do have those moments where I am very happy. I'm joyful. But joy is the hope in crisis. Joy is the balance in upheaval. Being joyful is essential to your pursuit of God. Scripture says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. 
If you don't have joy, you're not going to make it. If you don't have happiness, and you say, well, how do you know that? Well, the scripture in which we're getting ready to read, uh, it tells us that. I, I want to speak to you today on, on, on that very topic. I was, I was thinking about the importance of it. And if you would, go, go to my passage of scripture there in Mark chapter 6, 4. It says, others... Like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word at once and receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Now, these are the words of Jesus. I want you to look at this for a moment. So a lot of times we think that trouble and persecution is what caused them to fall away, but it's not. Trouble and persecution is just the wind of adversity. What really caused them to topple was they had no root. The ground in which they were planted did not allow for a root system to develop. In Northern California, I don't know how many years ago, before I was alive, they decided, they being uh, those that, that were in charge, that it would be an amazing idea. I can see them all in a room. You know what? We have every tree known to man right here, but let's bring in some eucalyptus trees. So they brought in these eucalyptus trees in, in in uh, Northern California. And they grow so tall, taller than this ceiling. I mean, it's just amazing. And, and, the, uh, and the bark just strips off and it falls. It smells amazing. They brought them in from Australia. But what they failed to, to consider was that the ground in Northern California is adobe. And when it gets wet, it moves, and it was rocky, and the root system never took hold. And because the eucalyptus trees are so heavy and so dense, they would just topple. And you say, well, they, they survived in Australia, yes, because the ground in which they were enabled their root system to grow your root system is important G a joy was replaced in in this one because the root system was weak they didn't have what they needed roots in our own lives ground us in our relationship with God they ground us in our relationship with one another. They ground us in our relationship in life in general. If you have no roots, if you have no root system that's going to hold you during the times of storm, you will fade and falter. When persecution or trouble comes, you'll fall away because there's nothing to hold you. 
I find it interesting. If you have a Bible, turn to Psalm chapter 1, or Psalm 1, rather. Sorry about that. My apologies. Uh, Psalm 1. It's really an amazing psalm, and, and here's this whole book of, of, of songs or psalms. And the very first one the psalmist puts in is about the condition of the heart. And I want to talk to you. Now, there's a lot of, uh, there's, when Jesus talked about the stony ground, there's, there's a lot of stones that we can have in our heart that, that we need to get rid of. There's a lot of things that we can put in our hearts that, that can keep us from having deep roots. But I want to talk to you today about the ones that are, that are found in Psalm chapter 1. Because I think that they are beneficial to each and every one of us. Psalm 1 goes like this. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly now shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. Who knows the way of the righteous? But the way of the ungodly shall perish. I want you to look at this, this psalm. It, it's really impacting. He starts off by saying, blessed. Blessed. That's really an interjection. What he's really saying is happy, joyful. Oh, the happiness of the man, of the person that doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly nor stand in the way of sinners nor seat, sits in the seat of the scornful joy happiness contentment mental state more than an emotion he is the, the psalmist is saying there is a place that you can have with god that you can be joyful the psalmist declares that there's a connection between joy and having deep roots in relationship with God. He said the one that doesn't do, have these rocks in their life, and because, besides, I, I've come to the conclusion I'd rather have rocks in my head than rocks in my heart. It, it's, when we look at it, he's saying the person that has, that's joyful, that has deep roots is like that tree planted by the rivers of water he is going to bring forth the psalmist declares that there is a connection between joy and having deep roots show me a happy Christian a joyful Christian and I will show you somebody that knows who they were knows who they are and knows who they're going to be say that again show me a happy Christian and I will tell you somebody that remembers where they used to be 
They know where they are because God has set them free, and he knows or she knows the promises that God has for them. And you say, well, what is that joy? You just walk around in euphoria? No, 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 no. It just simply means that it can always be worse. It can always, but you know that a weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. You show me a, a happy Christian, and I'll show you somebody that has deep roots. You show me a negative Christian, and I will show you a person that has rocks in their heart. That the ground is not allowing deep roots. Philosopher, French philosopher, said this, got this one for you, Chuck. Uh, Michael de Montaigne says, The most profound joy has more of gravity than it does of gaiety. Joy is a, is a grounding in our soul more than in an emotion. Mother Teresa said, Joy is the net of love by which you catch souls. Everybody wants to be joyful. This, one, this one's amazing. You're going you're to love this. Listen to it carefully. As selfishness and complaint pervert the mind, so love with its joy clears and sharpens the vision. Let me say that again. As selfishness and complaint or complaining perverts the mind, so love with its joy clears and sharpens the vision. Spoken by a person that could neither hear nor see, Helen Keller, which I think that she could probably hear and see better than others spiritually. Isn't that incredible? Joy is what happens to us when we allow ourselves to recognize how good things really are. Because it doesn't matter how bad it gets here. When that trumpet sounds, come on now. When that trumpet sounds, when that trumpet sounds, whether you're in the grave or you're alive and remain, when that trumpet sounds, we shall be changed, and this mortality will put on immortality. And at that moment, none of this is going to matter. That's a joy that you can hang on to. That's a joy that can keep you in the, in the darkness of night. That though it may be dark, I know that the sun is going to shine. The person that has joy has a strong root system. Isaiah 12, 3 says, Therefore with joy shall you draw waters out of the wells of salvation. If salvation is the water, then joy is the bucket. I have never seen anybody receive Christ in their life and walk away in despair. It's something that when you know that, that your sins are forgiven, when you know that you are right with your Creator, when you know that your Creator is, is smiling at you, it's not a time to be negative. So Psalm 1 mentions 
three stones, three stones in, that, he, that he says you need to avoid in your heart. He said, blessed is the man that walks not, nor stands, nor sits. It's a degradation or, or a downward spiral, if you will, of the condition of the heart and what, what Psalm 1 is trying to, to help us understand, that God's people to understand, that there are some things that we have to avoid if we want to have a heart that is fertile, that, that, that the truth of God can bury deep roots that can withstand any storm. Counsel, weigh, seat. There's a natural downward spiral. It's walking, standing, sitting. It's listening to, agreeing with, and then speaking against. It's acting on principles. It's cultivating a society or collusion and then conforming to the conduct of the wicked. Because sin is always a downward spiral. Sin never elevates. The Bible says that righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach. And the psalmist is trying to help us understand that, that we need to avoid these things in our heart. And the first one is don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Acting on the principles of those who are wrong in spirit and character. Don't listen to wrong counsel because it will lead anyone down a wrong path. Evil communication corrupts good manners. When he's talking about blessed is the man that walks not the counsel of the ungodly, the ungodly is just the person that is guilty. Guilty of harboring something or keeping something in their heart. And, and it's important to understand that we are not to walk in the counsel of those that are not right with God. You say, well, how do you know if somebody is not right with God? How do you know if something is being said? Here, here's, here's my, my go-to plan. I always go to this. I tell everybody that I know to do this. Uh, did you know that in the scripture, when it talks about, you know, because we just went through Pride Month and all that, you know scripture talks about um, uh, sexual sins, immorality, uh, homosexuality, about 25 to 30 times in the entire Bible. So... If somebody tells me once, I'm going to listen. If they tell me twice, I'm really going to listen. If they tell me three times or more, I'm really going to listen. But do you know how many times that the Scripture talks about gossip? Over 300. More than 10 times the amount God says, I cannot stand gossip. You know what gossip is? It's the counsel of the ungodly. When you're talking about somebody else, if I'm talking about somebody else, behind them, what I am doing is allowing myself to have something in my heart that does not need to be there. And the scripture is very clear about us not doing that. So here's, here's my go-to. And, and I learned this years ago, back in the 80s. I had a, 
a professor that, that taught me this. That he simply said, if somebody wants to share something with you, don't listen to it. In fact, tell them that's not right and you need to go to that person. And you need to, and, you know, so if it's not just in church, it could be at work. If you're, if you're at work and somebody comes up to you and says, man, I can't stand our boss. And they start sharing negativity. Do you know that is something that you don't need to involve yourself in? For after all, King David, when Saul was pursuing him to take his life, never once tried to say something negative about him. The angels didn't even say anything negative about Lucifer except the Lord rebuke you. It's important to understand. You say, well, well, Pastor, why are you saying that? Because I want all of us to understand that a perfect heart, a pure heart, is one that truly loves and cares for each and every person that they know whether they are Christians or not we are to love we are to encourage we are to lift up we are to correct but we are to go ahead and 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 lift them up and encourage them and try to draw them into a relationship with God and not and not to listen or to speak something negative our words are determined by our heart Jesus said in Matthew 12 34 whatever your heart determines that's what you say Acts 23 5 Paul had said something about uh, the chief priest who said something about an individual and when he realized it was the chief priest even though the priest was wrong, he asked for forgiveness and he said, I don't speak about those that are in authority. Titus 3.2 says, to align no one, to be uncontentious, to be gentle, showing every consideration just for the people I like. <laughs> it doesn't say that. It says... For all, for all, for all, for all, for all. And you saying, well, you're stepping on toes. Well, I've stepped on my own toes because I don't think that there's a person in here that hasn't either gossiped or, or about somebody at work or, or, or your neighbor or, or whatever it may be. I think we've all been guilty of it. But it's something that's, that can get in our heart and it keeps the root system of the Word of God from really taking a strong hold in our lives. And when we get that, then the adversary and, and, through, and through trials of life, it can lead us down the wrong path. James 4.11 says, Don't speak evil against other people. 
Because if you do, the, what you're really doing is judging the law and not allowing the law to judge you. He said, don't, don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. In other words, don't, don't listen. Then he said, don't stand in the way of sinners. In other words, don't align with their beliefs. Aligning with those that, know, that you know that are wrong. Don't take a stand against those that are wrong. Acts 5.39 says, but if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it. Gamaliel was saying this to about the apostles, lest happily you find yourself fighting against God. We, we, don't, we don't listen and we don't stand with. And the third one is simply this, you don't sit in the seat of the scornful. Because here's the amazing thing about this downward spiral. You listen to it and then it gets in your heart. And then you start believing it. And before long, before long you are just like the person that was sharing with you because that's what sin does and the psalmist said remove these three stones from your life and you're going to be happy he said how, how do you do that he said number one do this delight yourself delight don't you love that word delight delight yourself in the law of the lord delight yourself in your relationship with god delight yourself in in in, in the word of god take a look at it and don't read it with oh man i have to do this but man look at it like wow i get to be a christian wow i get to have joy wow i get to i get to live in a relationship with god with the creator of the heavens and the earth he knows me delight have a passion have a happiness have a joy in in your relationship with god you know life's ambition life's joy life's fulfillment is not found in anything else other than a relationship with god if you want to have joy have a relationship with god and he said not only that but meditate on it think about it dwell on it allow it to consume your mind one hour a week it's like the uh the guy i was listening to he said um he had called a, a person in his church and and she was really rude when she answered the phone because he didn't realize that she was a part-time Christian and evidently he had called her on her day off the reality is the truth is we meditate upon the word we we focus we try to graft it into our lives day and night we allow it to consume us that we don't have time to do anything else we don't have time for anything else other than what pleases the Lord and when we do that when we 
when we meditate on his word and we focus on it day and night, that's when the psalmist said that person, that person that is focused on their relationship with God and focused on their relationship with, with others, that's the person that is plant, like a tree that's planted by the river, that has good soil, that has deep roots, that, that, that the winds of op uh, opposition cannot move them. Their leaves shall not wither. Their fruit comes in season. And whatever they do shall prosper. You say, well, is that prosperity doctrine? That's the scriptural prosperity doctrine. Has nothing to do with money. Has everything to do with a heart. A prosperous heart. But friends, God, God is looking for us to have a heart that's free of anything that's in us. Like I said, those stones can be anything. The psalmist talked about the three uh, walking, standing, and sitting. Move those things from you. Move them out and allow the purity of the gospel. Allow the purity of the word of God to land in good soil. And see what God does. I'm going to ask our praise team to come back if they would. My, uh, my wife's uncle, her dad's brother, Jim, had a farm in Arkansas. And if you know anything about the land in Arkansas, it has lots of rocks. So if you went to his house before you could go fishing and before you could do anything else you were going to help him move some rocks out of his field because he wanted to grow crops and the only way to grow crops was to get rid of the rocks. So you take all the rocks out and you kind of like build a fence. You ever seen that? You know where they take all the rocks out? But what was amazing to me, no matter how many times you till it and you have these rocks, rocks keep showing up. It's like they're multiplying. But what really happens is through the natural seasons of, of the year when the ground freezes it constricts and underneath the rock dirt is able to fall underneath it and they keep pushing up to the surface so you can get them and move them out. Do you know our, our lives are a lot like that? That God loves us so much that he allows the seasons of life so that we can look at our hearts and we can see those stones that we can move them or ask the Lord to move them that we can have heart that can grow and flourish God's desire for each and every one of us is not that we just live our lives and just keep on going and then when he gets here he'll change us but he wants us to change now he wants our hearts to be pure now 
He wants, and you say, well, why? Because the closer or the more pure or the more fertile the heart, the closer the relationship with God. Because God, that's why the psalmist said, create in me a right heart and renew a right spirit within me. Jeremiah said, break up the fallow ground, the hard ground in your heart. It's important for us to understand. You say, do we have a, a responsibility? Yes, we do. We get to choose between walking and standing and, 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 and sitting in the, in the counsel of the ungodly, or we get to, to love the Word of God and meditate on it day and night and allow as those, as those things in our heart are manifest to, to walk away from them, to repent of them and allow us to build a, a, a wall of stone that that, that that fertile ground of our heart that where God can plant his word that can grow deep roots that the world and that the opposition in this world can never never destroy would you stand with me? I've got the joy. Do you have joy? You know what I have? You know why I have joy? Because I know that for all the things that I have ever harbored in my heart. And you say, Pastor, you've harbored things in your heart? Oh, yeah. Haven't we all? I also know and when the Lord brings it to the surface and you see it and you know that it's been there in that, that, in that aspect or that area of your life the reason why it hasn't been growing is because those stones are there when they're moved the relationship with him is so pure and so clear and so beautiful that you'll never go back. Would you pray with me?